Wednesday, May 23rd, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City. We are right here in Denver, Colorado. You know, we are back for another day of talking sports with what we hope is a dose of common sense and maybe just a touch of sarcasm here or there. You know, we pride ourselves on having both of those things here at the Daily Dose. Hopefully, we are doing a good job keeping you entertained every single day. Happy Wednesday to you. We are slowly but surely making our way through another week. And don't forget, we do have a holiday weekend coming this weekend. That always makes the week go, well, honestly, a little bit slower, really. But that's all right, because we are making our way through this week. Hey, if you would like to let us know how your week is going, we would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosports at gmail.com. Or you can go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at Dailydo Sports. Maybe you have some feedback for the show or a suggestion. Maybe you need some advice. We would love to hear from you. Hey, today on the show, we've got a number of news stories coming out that we want to discuss. And you know, I'm already starting to get a little bit anxious for some future events coming maybe a little bit later this year. We're going to talk about a few of those things in a little bit. And it is Wednesday, so we will have our weekly segment, the Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings. Hump Day! You never know what we might be ranking this week, but you know that you've got to stick around for that. First off, let's take a look at that Game 4 of the NBA Western Conference Finals that took place last night in the Bay Area as the Golden State Warriors hosted the Houston Rockets. They were up 2-1, to one Going into this game, you know, no Andre Iguodala for the Warriors. Clay Thompson actually left the game for a while after banging his knee in the first half. He did return. Hey, this was a game that the Houston Rockets, they have to come up with a way to win it. If there's a game you've got to get on the road at Golden State, this might be the one because you have the Warriors banged up a little bit. And we know that bench is not that deep. And you know what? We actually got a close game with a tight finish in these NBA playoffs. Hey, let's be real honest. These NBA playoffs have not been very good. Not very many close games. We might have to discuss that at some point here soon. Why these games, it seems like every single night, it's just more blowouts. Yes, they're tight series. Yes, it goes maybe to six or seven games, but the games themselves have not been that good. Last night in game four, the Houston Rockets outscore the Golden State Warriors, 25-12 to 12 in the fourth quarter. And Houston goes on to win this game, 95-92. The series is now tied at two games each, and we have another three-game series. Now, I'm not sure that Houston played that well. They played good in spots. Defense was better. Golden State didn't knock down some shots that I thought that they should have. And Houston hit a few more threes than Golden State did. Oh, and also they did attempt 13 more free throws than the home team did. It's a little bit odd to me. But, you know, I'm not going to go into the whole referee thing. I'm really not. And that the NBA wants more games. I don't want to go down that path. Yes, there were definitely some strange calls. And there was definitely some strange no calls last night. Not the least of which was that final weird foul that they called at the buzzer that could have changed the game and could have changed the series. But you know what? There have been strange calls this entire NBA playoffs, both ways, both sides. The NBA has an officiating problem. You know what I can't wait for? I can't wait for all these people that are so eager to do all this sports betting to start betting money legally on these NBA games. That's what I can't wait for because we only think 
the NBA has a refereeing problem now. You just wait until a bunch of people take a bath on a game like this when the road team, for some bizarre reason, takes all the free throws. I'm telling you, some bad things are going to end up coming. Bottom line, though, Houston and Golden State tied at two, and Houston does have home court advantage. The win last night negates that first win that Golden State got in Houston. Hey, it's a three-game series. I am hoping this ends up being a close series again that goes to Game 7. Can we just get some entertaining playoff basketball games? Last night might have been the first one that I have seen so far. We do have a couple of news stories coming out in the NFL that I do want to discuss just briefly. First off, it looks like quarterback Christian Hackenberg, who has never even gotten into a game with the New York Jets, was traded yesterday to the Oakland Raiders, ending what was kind of a weird, disappointing tenure with the New York Jets. Now, the Jets are going to receive a conditional seventh-round pick in next year's NFL draft. But why would the Oakland Raiders want Christian Hackenberg? That is my question to you today. Because it isn't like he has shown that he can be an NFL quarterback on any level, but I'm going to tell you why the Oakland Raiders want Christian Hackenberg. I believe it is because new Raiders head coach John Gruden wants more bodies in training camp because you know what John Gruden likes to do? He likes to throw quarterbacks out of drills. So they step in and they call the wrong play or they run the wrong set or they have the wrong personnel group and he goes, hey, you, out of here. Next quarterback, get in there. And you know he likes to do that stuff. Get that guy out of here. Get a new guy in there. That's what he likes to do. And if you run out of quarterbacks... Like, doing that kind of loses its effectiveness, doesn't it? If he tells Derek Carr, Derek Carr, get out of there. And then he goes to the second string guy, and he throws that guy out of there. And then he doesn't have a third string guy. Then he goes, uh, shoot, Derek Carr, get back in there. Like, it kind of loses all that you're trying to have it give you if you run out of people. So I think he just needs more bodies in training camp so he can throw more guys out of drills. Otherwise, you got to bring the guy back that you just threw out. That's not going to work for Chucky. You know he needs a few more bodies in training camp. So they go get Christian Hackenberg. Hackenberg, I'm warning you right now. You're getting thrown out of a lot of drills. Just know that that is coming. <laughs> I did hear this rumor that NFL owners are reportedly considering instituting a 15-yard penalty for players who would kneel during the national anthem prior to games. But I'll tell you right now, I don't even believe it. I really don't. I think this is a rumor. I think this is speculation. I don't think there's any way they would institute a 15-yard penalty for kneeling. Now, could we see a fine if the NFL passes some kind of rule that you must stand during the national anthem at some point? Oh, yeah. I think that could be coming real, real easy. And the NFL owners want everyone to stand because we have learned that it's not that great for business. So I could see a fine for not standing, but I don't think they're going to institute a 15-yard penalty. That doesn't even make sense. I've heard that rumor I'm not buying that. A fine makes more sense. Hey, I got fined like five bucks for wearing jeans in corporate America. <laughs> this could happen real easy in the NFL, but I'm not buying a penalty. So I'm not even going to talk about that. I think that's silly. It looks like the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles lost a couple of players yesterday. Now, I know I could just say the Philadelphia Eagles, but I say the whole Super Bowl thing, well, basically for Big Rob, just to remind him that it did actually happen. Anyways, it's not all good news right now for the Eagles. The Eagles have released Michael Kendricks, a linebacker who has been the subject of trade speculation for most of this offseason. 
You know, Kendricks was seen leaving the team's practice facility yesterday morning. But then just a few minutes later, newly signed linebacker Paul Warlow was actually carted off the field after he collided with a teammate during the very first practice of Eagles OTAs. Yeah, Warlow suffered a torn ACL on the play, reminding us once again why some players would rather not participate in these voluntary events. Because unfortunately, these things do happen, and it's not good. Now, losing Kendricks isn't really that much of a surprise, because he wasn't really getting much playing time, and he was costing the Eagles quite a bit of money. Warlow had just been signed to the team in April, so it's not a huge loss. But what it kind of made me wonder is, do you see like Philadelphia front office people running out in the parking lot trying to get Kendricks back? Michael, we're sorry. We didn't mean the terrible things we said. We didn't really want to cut you. Come back to us. I mean, they might need to. They just lost a player that I think they were counting on to play at least a few snaps this year. Now the Eagles are down two linebackers. Not the best way to start off your season as the defending Super Bowl champions. Again, Rob, I'm just saying that for you. One last story I do want to talk about because it sounds like the Los Angeles Chargers are going to lose tight end Hunter Henry for the season, also with an ACL. You know, at this point, I don't even think Charger fans feel these setbacks. Every single year, we see another Charger go down before the season ever even starts. I think Charger fans just expect them. They happen every single year. Hey, we've got a lot to get to today on The Dose. Coming back, I told you last week how I can't wait for college football season. We start finishing up the NBA, and we know that the long, hot summer is coming. And we are going to have a few, well, boring sports months, to be just real honest with you. Well, I'm not talking baseball all summer. I'm already looking forward to a few college football games right now. Yes, we have a few months to wait for college football. And there isn't going to be a bunch to watch this summer. You know, here in the next few weeks, we might have to look forward to a few things that are actually going to be out there for us to watch this summer. Because I know it starts to get hot, it starts to get dry. It's pretty much baseball and not much else. There's going to be a few other things out there that we can watch this summer, but I can already look at the college football schedule right now. And I can see a few games that kind of have me uh, like hopeful, like excited for college football. And I'm not talking about like drilling down into the schedule. I'm not looking at going into like midseason and late season conference matchups, not that stuff. I'm just talking about some of the games in the very first full weekend of the college football season. Now, I'm not going to get ready and break down any in-depth scouting reports on these games or anything, but... We do have a few games in college football coming up, like I said, in that very first week of the season. They're going to be really, really interesting. Let's take a look at a couple of the college games that I'm already looking forward to. And yes, I realize we're just finishing up May and I'm looking at the end of August. I realize it's a ways out there, but it's going to be here before you know it. And I've already told you, I'm not talking baseball all summer. So let's take a look at some of these college football matchups that are going to be out there because there's really some good ones coming up in just the first full week. First off, and this isn't a great one, but we do have a game on Friday, August 31st. And this isn't a great game in terms of the national scene. And honestly, it probably won't even be a very well-played game. But 
it could be close because Colorado and Colorado State are probably going to be two middle-of-the-pack teams. Remember two years ago, Colorado won like 10 games. I don't know if you remember that. I'm here in Colorado, so I remember that. People were getting all excited here in Colorado. Yes, we're back. We're going to get back to prominence. The Buffs are going to be back like they were under McCartney. Remember the days under Bill McCartney and Colorado was a national power? Well, yeah, the bloom is off that rose already. That was just two years ago. And right now, the Buffs are already back to the same old crap they've been shoveling in Boulder for the last 10, 15, 20 years. They don't have many playmakers. They don't have very good quarterback play. There's just not much to be excited about, which sounds a lot like if I just described Colorado State too, doesn't it? I mean, they're going to have to reload after losing an average quarterback in Nick Stevens and wide receiver Michael Gallup, who was actually the best player probably on that team last year. But Colorado State's going to be pretty mediocre too. So on Friday, August 31st, yes, like three months away, we will have Colorado versus Colorado State. Pac-12 versus Mountain West. And really, it's kind of Mountain West versus Mountain West. But for some reason, they stuck Colorado in the Pac-12. Whatever. So these two teams will get together and play what will probably be a close game. And Colorado will probably win because that's how this usually goes. And I will probably fall asleep because that's how this usually goes too. But I will watch at least part of it. Because darn it, it is college football and I will have been waiting all summer for it. Okay, that's the worst game on our list. That's on Friday night. But then that next day on September 1st, check out a few of the college football games that we are going to have because we have some good ones coming on Saturday, September 1st. You know, we didn't realize it at the time, but the Auburn Tigers apparently played in the national championship game last year losing to Central Florida in the Peach Bowl. Now, the Tigers are going to be trying to rebound from that tough loss. We know sometimes when you lose a Super Bowl or you lose a World Series or you lose the NBA Finals or you lose a national championship, it's tough to rebound from. The Tigers are going to suck it up and they're going to try to get it done. But I mean, just the fact that they even made the big game last year against Central Florida, it's pretty impressive. Especially... When I look back to last year and I thought Auburn was, you know, they're okay. They weren't great, but hey, they made it to the national championship game. Just ask UCF. Now on Saturday, September 1st, Auburn will be facing the Washington Huskies who should actually be pretty good this year. Head coach Chris Peterson has what might be his most talented group up at UW with quarterback Jake Browning back and the Huskies defense. They've got a front seven that should be pretty nasty. Hey, Auburn has Jarrett Stidham. They're going to have to find a running back to replace Carrion Johnson and Cameron Petway, but Pac-12 versus SEC, Auburn versus Washington on the opening weekend, that's not bad. Like, I'm kind of excited about that game. That's not it. You know, they say that Lane Kiffin should have an even better team this year than he did last year because now he's got his full recruiting class in at Florida Atlantic. And don't forget that the Owls scored like 40 points a game last year. So what will they do when they square off in this early season game against the Oklahoma Sooners who no longer have Baker Mayfield? Now, Kyler Murray has transferred in from Texas A&M. Head coach Lincoln Riley will be trying to get him ready to play. And he's also going to have to get a defense ready that has shown some spots that need some improvement. 
they might need a little bit of time to develop. Now, Florida Atlantic, with Lane Kiffin, they couldn't possibly pull off an early upset here against Oklahoma, could they? Can you imagine how obnoxious Lane Kiffin would be if they actually beat Oklahoma in week one? I mean, I guess he would pretty much be as obnoxious as he always is. But still, like that would be huge if Florida Atlantic knocked off Oklahoma. Pretty nice game in week one. Got another one here that looks pretty good. I don't have a clue what in the world to expect from the Tennessee Volunteers this year. Remember the offseason they had with the whole coaching hire debacle? Now, we're going to see if former Alabama defensive coordinator Jeremy Pruitt can actually get the Volunteers ready to win the games you know, that they should win. You know, the games that they're up in, the games against lesser opponents. Can Jeremy Pruitt actually get Tennessee just to win those games? I mean, they're not asking you to go out and beat the Alabamas or anything like that. Just stop losing to like Memphis. That'd be a step up for Tennessee. Meanwhile, West Virginia this year has to be pretty excited about their chances. You know, they've got quarterback Will Greer back. He's not always pretty, but Will Greer finds ways to win. Tennessee versus West Virginia in week one. That's not a bad matchup. We've got another SEC matchup here. Will there be life for the Louisville Cardinals after Lamar Jackson? I don't have any idea. He was pretty good. So I can't imagine that he's going to be easily replaced. But for as like bizarre of a guy as he is, head coach Bobby Petrino, he always seems to win. He always seems to find guys. He always seems to find someone else to plug in. And I bet he's going to do that this year at Louisville. It might take a little while, but hey, Bobby Petrino has generated some very good teams. Now, this game for Louisville in the opening week might be a little bit tougher because they're going to be facing Nick Saban's defending champion Alabama Crimson Tide. I mean, if you don't count Central Florida. Now, Alabama has some questions too, though. Don't forget, we still have to see, will Jalen Hurts win the quarterback job again? Only, I mean, to get benched in the national championship game for a true freshman? Maybe. Like, that's a possibility, right? Will the Crimson Tide still boast one of the nastiest defenses in the country? Probably. We know that's what Nick Saban just kind of does. So yeah, they probably will. One last question for the Alabama Crimson Tide this year. Will Nick Saban still be the grouchiest man in all of college football? Definitely. I don't even think that's a question. I don't even know who else you could put in there with him. I don't know why he's so angry. I don't know why he's so grumpy all the time. He's got a fistful of rings. But Nick Saban just doesn't seem like a very happy guy all the time. Louisville versus Alabama opening weekend. I'm not sure Louisville can hang, but it might be interesting to see what they can do after Lamar Jackson. One last game on Saturday, September 1st to look forward to. And I realize, I know, it's a long ways off. And we're going to be looking forward to this all summer. But we've got one more really good game just on Saturday, September 1st. Because the Michigan versus Notre Dame rivalry is back on. And it is going to be must-see TV on opening weekend. You know, Michigan is winning games under Jim Harbaugh. They are. They win a lot of games under Jim Harbaugh. Every single season. The problem is that they keep losing the ones that Michigan fans actually want to win the most. You know, the ones like Ohio State and Michigan State, maybe Penn State, sometimes Iowa, I don't know, maybe Utah. You get the picture. Anyways, this year, 
at Michigan, Ole Miss transfer Shea Patterson, he is hoping to go up there and solidify that quarterback situation in Ann Arbor. He is hoping to turn things around for the Wolverines, and maybe this could be their year to make a run. But on the other side, hey, Notre Dame this year, they're going to be pretty solid, which means, of course, that their fans are going to be particularly annoying because that's just how science works. I can't explain it. I just know it works. That's just what happens. Notre Dame's pretty good. Notre Dame fans get pretty obnoxious. Now, Notre Dame does have a few spots to fill, but don't forget they had a very young team last year. So they're going to have to fill a couple spots on that offensive line. But hey, don't sleep on the fighting Irish. They should be ready to contend again this year. Opening weekend, Michigan versus Notre Dame. Yes, please. Can that be here already? That's going to be a lot of fun. Weekend is not over. Like I just gave you like four or five games that were pretty solid. The weekend is not over because then on Sunday, September 2nd, remember the NFL hasn't started yet. We get Miami versus LSU. Mark Richt, he didn't waste any time in reestablishing Miami as a national power last year. He took the Hurricanes to a 10 and 3 season. And yes, Miami was a little bit of a paper tiger because they racked up wins against some pretty bad teams. But do you know the last time prior to last season that Miami lost just three games? That was clear back in 2003. And Mark Richt knows something about facing the LSU Tigers. He faced them eight times when he was at Georgia. He went four and four against them. So on the other side, you've got LSU head coach Ed Orgeron, and he's going to have a few holes to fill. He's got to find some people to replace running back Darius Geis. He's got to find some new wide receivers. He's going to have to find some new defensive linemen. Here's the problem for LSU. Their schedule is going to be very, very challenging this year. So this game against Miami, which will actually be played in Dallas, yeah, it could be very pivotal to how the LSU season goes. LSU had better find a way to hang in this game or it could be a very long season for the Tigers because the schedule is going to get tougher. Finally, on Monday night, the very first weekend of the college football season, we have Virginia Tech facing Florida State Monday, September 3rd. You know, Willie Taggart has proved he can be a very good college football recruiter. The problem for Willie Taggart, he hasn't stayed anywhere long enough to see if he can actually build a college football program. So we have no idea. Now, the Seminoles went 7-6 and six last year, and that was not good enough. But this is a talented roster. If Taggart can coach them up, playing at home against a talented Virginia Tech squad should be a game that Florida State can win. But on the other side, you've got head coach Justin Fuente, who has done a very nice job of taking over for longtime Virginia Tech head coach Frank Beamer, except for one thing. Virginia Tech can't find a quarterback. They really need a quarterback to step up and do something with that job. This Virginia Tech team should be talented enough to play with Florida State. They've just got to get some production from under center. But Virginia Tech, Florida State, on Monday night, uh, hey, it is almost Memorial Day weekend, which means that summer is coming. There's some cool things about summer. You've got barbecues. You've got, I don't know, sundresses. You've got vacations. I mean, there are some positive things in the summer months. But in just a few short months, it will be Labor Day weekend, which means that summer will be ending. And I cannot wait for some of these matchups that are coming in college football because it is going to be such a fun time of year. Can't wait for those to get here. 
Hey, coming back, before we get to college football season, we do first have to get through, you know, that summer. Now, we know that you can have all the home runs that you want, hit a million if you want during the regular season, but we also know when the temperatures start to drop and the games start to have more meaning, we know which teams usually get it done. It's usually the ones that have some pitching. So which pitching staffs are getting it done so far this year? Our Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings Hump day. are going to tell us right after this. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you do have any shopping to do, you might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash Daily Dose, where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, movies, and video games. June's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Colossal because remember, size matters. And June's Loot Crate theme is featuring colossal characters with larger-than-life collectibles and gear that you just can't find anywhere else. Trust us, it's going to be big. It features items from Godzilla, Marvel Comics, Ghostbusters, and Jurassic Park. But if you're not interested in those franchises, make sure you stop by LootCrate.com because they have a ton of other stuff over there. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, make sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order. So make sure you stop by and visit LootCrate.com. Now, we know that chicks dig the long ball, right? We look at the massive home run numbers that MLB is putting up and we get all excited about these major league ballparks that have turned into launching pads, and they tell us how it's about the trajectory angles and all this stuff when we know it's probably just really well-masked steroids and a ball that bounces around like a tennis ball. (laughs) I mean, how can we not get excited about home runs? The league loves to promote the fact that they are blasting home runs out at a record pace, but we do know when the league gets tighter and the summer comes to an end and the playoffs start approaching, it won't be all about the home runs. Because like we do every year, we will see pitching take over in the postseason. And who can get it done many times comes down to who can pitch. So today on our Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings, we're going to take a look at the best pitching staffs in Major League Baseball by who has the best ERA right now. Some of the teams on this list might surprise you just a little bit. Coming in at number five with a 3.44 Team ERA, you know, we all look at the National League Central and we just assume that it's going to be a two-team race between the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals, don't we? But it's not. Not as long as the Milwaukee Brewers keep getting the quality pitching that they've gotten so far because currently the Brewers are actually in first place by a game and a half. Jolice Chassin has been a very nice pickup. Chase Anderson has been very solid and they're getting good relief from guys like Dan Jennings from guys like Josh Hader. Can the Brewers keep up this pace all season? I don't know. Probably not. But they are getting solid pitching right now. And that is giving Milwaukee a chance. They come in at number five. At number four, you know, after a few seasons of being a little bit below average, the St. Louis Cardinals look like they might be getting ready to make a push for the postseason. They currently have a 3.39 team ERA. And that has them in second place in the NL Central behind the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, we all heard about Jordan Hicks this last weekend cranking up that 105 mile an hour fastball, which, hey, it's going to scare anyone in that batting box. But hey, Michael Waka 
Luke Weaver, they've been solid starters. And Carlos Martinez should be returning from an injury very, very soon. And he has been absolutely nasty. The Cardinals are trying to make the postseason for the first time since 2015. And having the fourth best team ERA right now, that's at least giving them a shot. Moving up to number three, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, they've had a little bit of a slump lately. And their pitching is definitely part of that slump, but their poor hitting is probably more of the culprit because the Diamondbacks have a 3.35 team ERA with Patrick Corbin and Zach Greinke, which should eventually pull them out of this funk that they're in, shouldn't it? I mean, you would think. They better hope so because I do think the Los Angeles Dodgers may still have a big run in them. So Arizona needs this pitching staff to come through and to even get a little bit better. And then you just got to hope your bats come around. But Arizona comes in at number three on our list. At number two, the Chicago Cubs are trying to make another run at a title this year, even though no one really cares now. Because, I mean, they won the whole thing two years ago, and Cubs fans care, but like no one else does. Not even the bandwagon of fans that showed up at your job the day after they won the World Series in Cubs gear. They don't even care anymore. They've forgotten all about that. The funny thing about the Cubs is that their starting pitching has been average. I mean, John Lester and Kyle Hendricks, they've been okay. It's been hit and miss lately. But the bullpen has had to carry the load. And you know what? The bullpen is getting it done. That is good enough to have the second best team ERA in the major leagues right now. So we move on to number one. And the Cubs have the second best team ERA in the league at 3.28. But then we have our number one team, the Houston Astros. At 2.46, almost a full run better. Hey, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole are as good a one-two punch as anyone has. And this staff is just dealing this season. They might not be getting the attention that maybe the Yankees are or maybe the Red Sox are, but the Houston Astros are still going to be right in the thick of this as long as they have this pitching staff throwing the way that they are. Don't count out Houston. Again, you might get caught up in the home run numbers. The pitching numbers are probably what's going to matter the later we get. Now, notice which teams are absent from the top five, but still high because they could still be dangerous. Boston, the New York Yankees, the Cleveland Indians, the Washington Nationals. They're all up in that area. They're just a little out of the top five. And notice which teams have the worst ERA. Teams like Kansas City. And the Chicago White Sox and Miami and the Baltimore Orioles, they're all over a 5.0 ERA. I realize that these numbers are going to flex. They're going to change throughout the season. But if you just look at the team ERA, you can kind of see if you can pitch, you at least have a chance to be a contender. And if you can't pitch at all, yeah, you can't. And you're going to have a tough, tough season because we can see the teams with the worst ERA They are some of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. Hey, tomorrow on the Daily Dose, we will, of course, be discussing the latest in sports news and see what stories just might be coming out. We will also be looking at a few teams in Major League Baseball that are making a few moves. And as usual on Thursday, we will have our Daily Dose overreactions of the week. You never know what the sports media world might be overreacting to, but you know we'll have to discuss that tomorrow on the show. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to and for sharing the show. Thank you for the emails. 
Thank you for the text and the tweets. If you would like to contact us, hit us up on email, dailytosports at gmail.com, or go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. We would love to hear from you. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful Wednesday.